Welcome to the August 22nd Sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 16, verses 1 through 16, and the sermon is entitled, Our Connection to the Comforter, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. I want you to take your Bible today. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John. If you are new to us, we are walking through verse by verse this amazing Word of God in the Gospel of John. We are opening chapter 16 today, so turn with me there as we move ahead in our study of this Gospel. Uh, a key teaching of the Bible, we're going to cover a, a, right now something that we need to hear about, a person of the Trinity that we need to know in a deeper way. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to his disciples, the Comforter, and we're going to look at that. Now, as we open chapter 16, let me backtrack and get everybody on the same page as where we are in this study. Back in chapter 13, Jesus meets with his disciples in a private room on the Thursday night before the Friday of the cross. This is the day of Passover for the entire Jewish nation and they celebrate this meal of freedom from slavery in Egypt many centuries before. But Jesus celebrates the Passover with his 12 disciples. He pulls from this Passover meal the Lord's Supper that we celebrate on a regular basis. Also that night, he washes his disciples' feet. He shows them this ultimate act of humility, the very God of the universe on his knees, washing his disciples' dirty feet. But he says, as I have done to you, now you go and do for others. In other words, serve others, and it doesn't, doesn't matter how lowly the service might be, you serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ to others. Then also that same evening in that room, he dismisses Judas Iscariot, as his betrayer and Judas leaves the room leaving behind 11 true disciples now a lost man in the ministry of Jesus Christ for three years he is dismissed out into the night and then Jesus gives the disciples the shocking news that he would be leaving them soon they did not know that the cross was tomorrow they did not know that they would see the most horrific event of all of human history tomorrow but Jesus meets with these disciples, and even though he's facing the cross, he's ministering to them. So this evening in the private setting of the room ends at the end of chapter 14. And as they leave that room, Jesus and his 11 disciples begin a walk, and they're walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus will spend that evening in, in great and deep prayer, his disciples with him. But as they walk toward the Garden of Gethsemane, we see in chapters 15, 16, and 17 the contents of the walk. What they're talking about is Jesus walks with them, teaches them, shares the love of God with them. He teaches them that He is the true vine and that they are the branches. And in order to draw life and in order to be productive with life, the branch needs to be attached to the vine. No branch attached to the vine can get by without being productive. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has a set of gifts and talents in our life, and we are to be productive in the kingdom's work for Him. Amen? Every one of us. Why we have 92 positions still open, I don't know. Every one of us should be tied in to the ministry of the church because that's the call. We're a branch connected to the living vine of Jesus Christ and we're to give our life to Him in service and in ministry and in love. Then also on this walk, Jesus warns His disciples 
that their faith and their faithfulness and their ministry in Christ would not always be accepted by the world with open arms. Their connection with Christ would invite criticism and persecution and even hatred and death. Jesus warns his disciples, because you're attached to me, the world will not always welcome you in every place. It is still true today. Christians are still persecuted today, still criticized today. The world doesn't always welcome us. So as chapter 16 opens today, Jesus is being truthful and honest and forthright with his disciples. Very soon, he says, I'm physically not going to be with you. Again, these disciples have no idea that tomorrow is the day, that tomorrow they would see the cross and they would see their Lord and their Master and their Savior die there. But Jesus says, I will not physically be with you much longer. And disciples, you may get anxious and you might get scared and the world will hate you in your ministry, but don't lose your love and don't lose your commitment to me because even though you will be facing opposition, I make you this promise of God. I will always, always and forever be with you. You will never be alone. You'll never be working on your own resources or your own strength. I will be with you, and I will strengthen you, and I will guide you, and I will bless you. Even as you face persecution, I will bless you. No matter what may come, Jesus says, I will still be with you. I will physically be gone, but I'll be closer than ever to you in the days that are ahead of you in ministry and in reaching out with the good news of Christ. Not only, Jesus says, will I be with you, but he makes the promise, I'll be living inside you. Up to this point, in these three years of ministry, you have walked two or three feet from me, but when I send this comforter, when I send the Holy Spirit, I will be living in you. You won't be walking by my side, I'll be living inside you as the Son of God. So as we begin this great promise today, let's read it. Uh, And it's in effect for the disciples. It's in effect for our church today as the Holy Spirit comes to fill us. So look at chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. The promise of the Comforter. The promise of the Holy Spirit coming to us. Hear then these words from chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus says, if you have a red letter Bible, you can see all of this are words from him. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. 
of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me. Because I go to the Father. May God add his blessing to the reading of these 16 verses from the Gospel of John. So Jesus has warned his disciples, be braced, be ready for opposition, be ready for persecution, punishment to come, simply because you follow me, simply because I'm your Lord and your Master and your Savior. That's why you will be persecuted, because you identify with me. So on this walk toward Gethsemane in John chapter 16, verse 2, he tells his men, When you follow me, you're going to be barred from the Jewish synagogues. All of these disciples are Jews. And one of the greatest grievances to any Jew was being excommunicated from worship in the temple or in one of the outlying synagogues. In fact, in verse 2, Jesus says, Some people will kill you and think they are doing God a service. You remember Saul, who later became Paul, a young Jew who led a revolution against Christians and against the church and when Saul before he came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior jailed Christians or killed Christians he believed he was doing God a favor that he was ridding the world of the church and of the people of God that's exactly what Jesus says here some who would kill you would think they're doing God a service in taking your life and sadly the Lord is foreshadowing that the majority of these men will die as martyrs John alone, the writer of this gospel, lives to an old, old age, probably past 90 years, but most of these men are going to die as young men, as martyrs. Do you remember the opening of the old TV show, Gomer Pyle, USMC? You remember in the opening scene, Gomer Pyle is marching with a large formation of young Marines. They filmed that so that he was marching with actual young Marines. And I read after he had filmed that, And after some time had passed, he could never watch it again. Jim Neighbors, the actor, could never watch that opening again because most of those young Marines went to Vietnam. And many, many of them died in service to their country. So while he was taping something for a comedy series, they were facing the very serious work of going to war. And many of them never returned home. And it touched Jim Neighbors so deeply he couldn't watch it again. Well, after Jesus warns and saddens the disciples of the hatred that would inevitably come to them, he then gives them the greatest hope that they could hold on to. Look at verse 7. If there's a verse to underline, this is it today. Verse 7, chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him 
unto you. Well, as we look at that verse, he says, when I go away and when you face this cruel and this hateful and this murderous world against you, I promise you, this is the truth, Jesus says. And Jesus has never broken a truth and Jesus has never broken a promise. Amen? He says to them, I'm promising to you that I'm going to send to you the Comforter. I will not physically be with you, but I will not be leaving you. Logically, that almost doesn't add up. I'm not physically going to be here, but I promise I'm not going to leave you. I'm sending you the comforter. Jesus tells them, this is the truth. Listen to me. It's expedient, which means it's better. This is a better route. This is a better plan. It's expedient. It's better that I go back to the glory of heaven when my time and my task here are done. When my ministry on earth is finished. And, of course, we know that he spoke from the cross in the moment before he died. It is finished. His plan of salvation had been completed. His mission at that point of dying on the cross to forgive sinners was complete. But Jesus says, by my leaving, it will enable me to send to you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, The Spirit of God will come unto you. The Greek word for comforter is parakletos. And the Spirit of God living in your heart, Jesus says, is going to lead you, protect you, guide you, give you wisdom, allow you to walk into the future as ministers of God because I'm living in you. My strength is not walking by your side. It's inside of you as the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to think back to chapter 11. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. You'll you'll remember this. Chapter 11 deals with Lazarus, Mary and Martha. When Lazarus lay dying, Jesus was not there. It's undisclosed in the gospel where he is. We just know he's not in Bethany. He's not local. And so Mary and Martha know that Lazarus' sickness has gotten out of the hands of the doctors. There was nothing that anyone could do. And the best they knew to do was to get Jesus to come and to bless their brother, heal their brother. But Jesus wasn't there. And so they had to send a message out into the field of ministry where Jesus was to get his attention that he would come back. Jesus in human flesh as the Son of Man could not immediately be there. But he did come. Certainly, he did come. But by the plan of God, it was four days later. And as you know the story of Lazarus, he had died and had been buried by that time. Jesus was not immediately available at that moment. He was not instantly there at the moment because he was the Son of Man. He had human flesh. He was incarnate. And so he was in a certain place, in a certain point of time. He had to travel to come back to where Lazarus was. But in John 16, he tells his disciples, after I go from you, after the cross, after the resurrection... I'm going to send you the Comforter, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to live in your heart, and you'll never have to send a message to find me because I'll always be with you, and I'll always be in you, and I'll always be guiding you, protecting you, taking care of you. I will live in your heart. I'll always be present, and I'll always be available. Never a moment, never a second will you be away from me, nor will I be away from you. So Jesus is teaching us about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God in residence in the heart that belongs to him. Now, Christian, we need this teaching. Church, we need this teaching. You know, the church is not always comfortable with the Holy Spirit. 
Sometimes it's because we don't know enough. Some people think that the Holy Spirit forces you to speak in tongues. Or the Holy Spirit is going to slay you down on the ground and you'll lie there for a while unconscious. Well, Jesus is taking the, the mystery of the ministry of the Holy Spirit out. What is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit a disembodied ghost? Absolutely not. In fact, if you'll notice in verses 7, 8, 13, and 14, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as He or Him. He is the third part of the Trinity. It's, the, it's, the, it's God. It's God Almighty. It's Him. He's not a ghost. Sometimes we're misled by King James language. But He's not a ghost. He's not a disembodied spirit floating around. It's God Himself. Him coming to live in you. He's a person, the person of God in us. Now, on the ground floor of this truth is this. The Spirit of God, listen very carefully, the Spirit of God does not live in every human being. Everybody on board with me there? The Spirit of God does not live in every human being. I want you to get that down. He comes to live in us permanently when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. He lives in every believer's heart. When we entrust our heart and our life and our future to Him, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in us, and He will never leave us again. Now, that's different from Old Testament theology. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come but go. For example, in Psalm 51, remember when David is dealing with his sin with Bathsheba, he says, he pleads with God. Uh, in Psalm 51, verse 11, he says, Take not the Spirit from me. Don't leave me, God. But in the New Testament, as Jesus is describing to his disciples the coming of the Comforter and the Holy Spirit, he says, it's a permanent residence that takes up in your heart. But the Holy Spirit only lives in the believer, not in every person in the world. The Holy Spirit does not come to fill the world. He will not be found in any gathering of non-believers. He will not be found in a bar of unbelievers. He'll not be found in a nightclub of unbelievers. He'll not be found in a board meeting of non-believers. He will not be found in a government meeting of non-believers. The Holy Spirit only lives in the children of God. If believers are not there, the Holy Spirit is not there. That's what we're hearing in this passage of Scripture. The Spirit of God does not fill the world, but the Spirit of God fills the church. Praise God, today the Spirit of God is with us because He's living in your heart and in my heart, believers. He's filling the church. He's giving us direction and power and blessing and he's asking us to go forward into the world with the gospel of the living Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a born-again believer, he is living in your heart. Now, this is extremely important. Jesus had a physical body, correct? Jesus, in his incarnate form, had a physical body. Does the Holy Spirit have a physical body? The answer to it is yes. The Holy Spirit's physical body is right here. You are the Spirit's physical body. He is in living in your heart, and we are His temple, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. We are the Spirit's physical presence. We are His temple. 
He lives in us. And as we walk in the world, in our flesh, we are representing Him. We are living with Him in us. We're living to share the good news of Jesus Christ with Him in our hearts. And the goal of the Holy Spirit is so very simple. He uses us to testify of the Son, Jesus Christ. That is the Spirit's ministry in that we are to honor Jesus and we are to honor the Father God. Pure and simple truth, that is our ministry. Look at verses 13 and 14 in John chapter 16. John 16, look at verse 13. How be it when He, notice He, it's, it's, it's God, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come... He will guide you into all truth, for he, now listen, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Listen, look at verse 14, very important. He shall glorify me. The Spirit's presence in your life is not to glorify the Spirit living in you. It's to glorify Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. The Spirit will testify of Jesus the Son. The Spirit will guide us to be witnesses to Jesus the Son. The Spirit will give you and me the guidance and the power that we can testify of the saving power of Jesus the Christ. That's the Spirit's work in us. Here's a great biblical example. Again, you don't have to turn here. Acts chapter 2. We see the birth of the church. This is the moment when the Spirit of God, the Comforter, is given to the believers, to the church. At that moment, the Holy Spirit is sent upon the believing church Believers receiving him on the inside. Peter was there. Peter received the gift of the Holy Spirit on that day when it came at the birth of the church. Now, what did Peter immediately do after he received the Spirit of God? He did not brag on the Spirit of God living in his heart. He preached a sermon to lead 3,000 to Jesus as Savior. So the first act of Peter when he received the Holy Spirit was to speak about Jesus. To lead multitudes to Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the Spirit's work in us. To lead us to speak about and minister for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we come to the final phase of the study today. How does the Spirit use us now? Jesus defines it. Look at verses 8 through 11. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Okay, so Jesus says that the Holy Spirit does three things through us as believers. Number one, it says he reproves the world of three things. That word reprove is a, a, is a, a law term. It means to convince, just as a lawyer stands up to convince a jury of a verdict of this criminal. We are to reprove. We are to represent Jesus. We are to convince the world of what God is doing among us. It's a legal term. So we believers convince the world of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment, according to Jesus here. First, we convince lost people that there is sin in their lives. Romans 3.23, all of us sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God. We are to let people know that they are sinners. That is to happen from this pulpit, to happen in our lives as we walk in the world, that we're to let people know that they need a Savior because of sin. There are so many sins, of course, murder, lying, stealing, all those things. 
But there's one sin above them all. There's one unforgivable sin. And that's the sin of rejecting the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ. Rejecting Jesus as Savior. When that person comes to the end of their earthly life and they close their eyes in death, the unforgivable sin of never coming to Christ, we're to convince the world that they need a Savior. And that begins in our families. It begins in our homes. It begins with our circle of friends. It begins in the workplace, in the classroom, and on out into the world. We're to let people know that they need a Savior because of sin. Secondly, the Holy Spirit uses us to convince people of righteousness, the righteous Son of God. We need to invite sinners to the Son of God, to the righteousness of God expressed through His Son who went to the cross and rose from the grave that we might have life everlasting, that we might have forgiveness of sin. We're to convince the world that there is a Savior and His name is Jesus. And we're to give our lives in convincing the world everyone needs that Savior. His name is Jesus. There's no other way. He is the way and the truth and the life. And the Holy Spirit uses us to introduce Jesus to others out there in the world. Third way the Spirit uses us is that we are to convince people of judgment. We're to convince people that indeed there is a hell. That there is separation from God for all eternity if we were to end our life never coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We have to stand true and strong and unflinching on that truth. Because the world would love to paint a picture of, well, all we do is we pass away and we float away into the great beyond and we turn into a gray mist. That is not what the Bible says. To go away from this world without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is to go to hell. There's no way around it. You can't sugarcoat it. You can't embellish it. You can't rewrite it. It's what the Bible says. And we're to convince the world that there is a hell. The prince of this world, Satan himself, is going to go there. And those who reject Jesus will follow him there. That's what the Bible says. Romans 14, 12 is absolutely true. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. One of these days, every one, you, me, the world, every one of us individually, you can think, golly, billions of people standing before God one by one. He's got all the time in the universe. And every one of us will have our time before him. Praise God for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because he will be with us. And he will claim us as his own. I feel eternally sorry for that one who stands before God Almighty face to face and the holiness of his fire, looking him in the eye, if that's possible, and knowing that they're bound for hell for eternity. In this accounting, Romans 6.23 tells us what will happen. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, hell, separation, eternity away from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the accounting. One of two roads, and everybody will stand on one of those two roads. If a person never comes to Jesus, the wages, the payment of sin, is eternal death in hell. That's what the Bible teaches us. But to accept the free gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is to be promised life and forgiveness and hope and blessing and the promise of a home in heaven 
Praise God for that good news. It's a free gift. Oh, the price to purchase the gift was very, very high. The disciples would find that out the next day after this conversation. The price was high, but the gift is free to anyone who will come to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So as this passage teaches us, we are to honor the Spirit living in us, living for the Savior day by day. Now, I remind you, if you want to write this reference down, Ephesians 4.30 says we can grieve the Spirit living in us. We can grieve the Spirit living in our heart. How do you grieve God Himself living in your heart? By refusing to be a witness for Jesus? We grieve the Spirit by refusing to worship. We grieve the Spirit by having an open door to teach our children and our grandchildren about the love of Jesus and avoid it and not do it. How sad that is to have children in our lives and they don't learn about Jesus through we who believe. We grieve the Spirit if we fail to talk to our children and grandchildren and our family about the living Lord Jesus Christ. We grieve the Holy Spirit by hiding Jesus from lost friends, never speaking His name, never taking a stand for Him. We grieve the Spirit by not taking a stand for Jesus when the Spirit is giving us the strength to do that. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we live a life that dishonors Him out there in public, compromises Jesus out there in public. We grieve the Holy Spirit by refusing to help the church when the church is asking for help. And we have the talents and the gifts and the energy to do that. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we turn that invitation away. There are lots of ways to grieve the Spirit. My prayer, brothers and sisters, that that, that we will come before the altar of God today and say, Lord, I don't want to grieve you. I want to honor you. I want to honor you with the throne room of my heart. And I want to live for you and I want to witness for you and I want to be a representative of Jesus Christ, the Son, out there in the world. We come to worship how important that is, but now we leave to serve. And as we leave, the Holy Spirit in residence in our heart will take us where we need to be. And we will fulfill some appointments this week. You will not have one chance meeting this week with someone who needs Jesus. It's an appointment that you will fulfill this week. Take Jesus to the world. The Holy Spirit living in your heart will give you the words and the strength to be a witness for Jesus. That's his function living in our hearts. The Spirit will speak of Jesus. It's what he says to his disciples and what he says to us. I pray we will rededicate our lives to that. And before we leave this sanctuary today, before we close down a stream today, I must say this, rededicating our lives is so important, believers, that we're going to honor the Spirit living in us. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior this moment, this day, if you do not know, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have not expressed your belief in Him, it is absolutely true that God's Spirit does not live in you. You're wide open to the attacks of Satan. You're wide open to the attacks of the the lies of this world. But I can tell you this, and this is the good news. The instant you say yes to Jesus as your Savior, the moment, the millisecond you say yes to Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit moves into your heart, takes up residence there in the believer, and gives you the strength and the power that you're going to live a different life because your life is no longer your own. It belongs to Jesus. And you will want to live for Him. Amen? 
You'll want to entrust your life to him, and you will want to be his witness, and you'll want to be his servant in the world. The comforter, the Spirit of God, moves into your heart the very instant you say yes to Jesus, and your address changes from hell to heaven that millisecond. You get a house number in heaven that second, that millisecond. Your purpose for life is not living for yourself anymore. It's living for Jesus, giving your heart to the Savior. If you do not know him, if you're here in person, come to this altar and say, I need him. Jesus' ministry was absolutely public. His death was public. His resurrection was public. When we proclaim him as Savior, I believe it should be a public profession. If you've never come, you come here. Come to this altar and receive him as your Savior. If you're streaming today, receive him. Say yes to him. Wherever you are, living room, car, wherever you might be, say yes to Jesus as your Savior. He'll find you, and his spirit will move into your heart this very moment. What a wonderful Savior we have. Spirit of God in residence in our heart that we might serve him well. May God bless us as we go to the world this week to take that Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit to share his love with those who need him. Church home, whatever you need, he meets us here. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these precious moments, Lord. Thank you that the Spirit of God does not fill the world, but we gather here to say today that the Spirit of God fills this church because we believers gather here and you are in residence in our heart. Father, I pray today that you will build up believers individually, beginning with me, Lord. I'm not pointing my finger at anyone saying you need to do better. I I don't have that right or privilege. It's really between you and me. I pray that you will build me up to serve you well, to serve you better. Maybe there are others who want to join me to say, Lord God, I, I rededicate my life to serve you well and to serve you better because you live in my heart. Help me always to stand for you. Help me always to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Lord, if there is one in this sanctuary or one listening by streaming today, the most important message of the day is if you need Jesus, he wants you as Lord and Savior. He died on the cross to purchase your life, to forgive you, to purchase you out of sin. Oh, the the price was very, very high for Jesus. But the gift is free for any who will receive it. I pray today that one or more will come to you and say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my Savior. Only heaven will know how many come today. I pray today, Father, that many will come to Jesus as Savior. That the Holy Spirit will take up residence, change that life from hell-bound to heaven-bound. A life that was drifting to a life with purpose. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Whatever the need, thank you that you meet it here in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.